What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, We've been a different series throughout our time together, and today I'm going to do my best to start a new series regarding dating and biblical principles that should inform dating. I want to share a couple of statistics with you that I thought was fascinating as I was getting ready for this episode. I was doing a little bit of research in dating on apps and learning that basically over the past 15 years, meeting online is becoming a thing. Not only a thing, but becoming quite popular. In fact, dating app revenues have increased every year since 2015. This is according to the business of apps. In 2022, can you guess how much money was raised? Or can you guess how much revenue came through on dating apps? According to Business of Apps, $4.94 billion. Wow, that's amazing. $4.94 billion. As you and I both know, dating and who we should date, principles of dating, who we should not date, should we break up with them, should we move to that next level into engagement and from engagement to marriage, Those are the questions that many of us are asking. And some of us are new to the game in the sense that we're just learning to date or we haven't had any significant relationships in the past. Or some of us, maybe it was or was not our choice. We're kind of back in the game of seeking who the Lord might have for us in a dating context. I find that in a college environment, which is where I teach here at the Master's University, there are many questions about dating. And And there's even some baggage that comes to the expectations of dating. Uh, For those of you who are my age, you remember an era of dating that was no longer dating. In fact, dating was kind of like the bad word. The word that should be used is courting. Mm, Yes, here we are in medieval America courting one another. It kind of comes from this idea that Joshua Harris began to teach. He wrote a book, and the book was called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. The basic thesis of the book, and trust me, I am not encouraging you to go read it, but the basic thesis of the book was you should only date to marriage and you should only date when you are ready to get married. So what it did in many Christian circles is it started to add this unexpected pressure that any person that you begin to date, you need to be open to marrying. And downstream of that, what begins to take place is somewhat craziness. I try not to smile whenever a student tells me this, but first date comes around, they go out on the date, and even the topic of marriage starts to come up on a first date. Do you want to have children on the first date? Ah! (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) What I hope to explain to you over the next episode or two 
is a biblical principle or a few biblical principles that help say, look, you can befriend a person and be in an exclusive relationship with them, but not know if you would marry them. Other times, the reality is that we date simply for our own fulfillment and our own pleasure. So dating is more a means of status to certain individuals. Think of it this way. Think of the lady that can never be out of a relationship. We're surrounded by people that need someone to date to fill up what is missing in their own life. They need affirmation. They need status. They need companionship. So for them to be single, it seems as if there's something greatly missing. I find that those that jump from relationship to relationship to relationship, in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, need to be okay being alone. So he says in his doctoral dissertation that those that that need community must find an ability to find solace in Christ alone. So you're, you're okay with just you and Christ. And those that would prefer to be just them in Christ, Bonhoeffer says, you need to go and find community. There's a happy medium there. If you find yourself bouncing from relationship to relationship, then perhaps this series is going to be helpful to you to understand that your identity is not in who you're dating and potentially going to marry, but your identity is in Christ. And that identity does not grow more stable when you get married or when you start dating. You are just as much standing in the righteousness of Christ as a single person than if you're dating someone. So there's some that go to dating for for a filling up of what's missing or a affirmation or a level of identity and social status. Lastly, and I hope this isn't true of you or those that you spend time with, but there are those that go to dating for what they get out of dating. This is where attraction really drives people into dating. They think something like, I think he's handsome or I think she's pretty, so I would like to date her or date him. Fundamentally, attraction is not the sole reason why you would date. If you're dating because you're exclusively attracted to a person, you must recognize that that's not the only reason why you pursue. In fact, that can become a very selfish reason. Attraction is not the basis for any relationship, marriage, dating, obviously friendship. So attraction when dating is a very myopic and selfish motivation. If you're just pursuing people because you think they are attractive, Dare I say that is a shallow and selfish motivation for dating. So let's think about dating from a broader perspective. I'd like you to grab your Bibles and open up with me to 1 Timothy. Let's go to chapter 5. One of the things that I'm hoping you will see is that when you became a Christian, at that moment, God adopted you into his family. So before you were a Christian, Ephesians 2 says that you are a child of disobedience or a son or daughter of wrath. But at the moment that you became a Christian and God saved you, he adopted you into his family. And that idea of a family is what informs dating relationships. So this is going to come from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Paul is the one writing to a 30-something-year-old Timothy. And in writing to 30-something, most likely early 30s, he tells Timothy this, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. The way that 
this young 30-something-year-old Timothy is to interact in the body of Christ is to treat older men like he would a father. He's not bossy toward his dad. He's not condescending toward his dad. He's encouraging an older man just like he would his father. Younger men, he treats as peers in Christ and brothers in Christ and the dignity that that brings with it. It means that you're treating a brother as an image bearer. It means you're being respectful. It means you're honoring his gifts. Older women, mom, this is easy. We have even Timothy's spiritual lineage with Lois and Eunice given to us in the pastoral epistles here. So we know his spiritual lineage was good. Treat older women like you would your mom or your grandma. And then lastly, younger women as sisters in all purity. Young 30-something-year-old Timothy, how do you treat a younger woman? Treat her like you would a sister. Now, these family relationships begin to define dating relationships because as you are entering into a dating relationship, you are entering into a relationship with a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. In fact, I am very open and willing to show you that it is not God's will for you to date someone who is not a Christian. I think that's pretty basic. When Corinthians talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that you are not to be yoked together with an unbeliever, dating is one of the applications of that. So if you're thinking something to yourself like, well, he's a good man, he just, he's not there yet. Or well, she's open to it, but she's just not a Christian yet. You know, she's willing to go to church with me. Guys, let me save you a world of heartache by clearly telling you that you should only be dating Christians. You should only be, there are still nuances that go into dating Christians. For instance, denominational differences, background and relationships, cultural differences. Even in dating a Christian, it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be super easy, but I am here to, first of all, remind you that it is God's will for you to find a dating relationship from the body of Christ, from a brother in Christ, if you are a female, or a sister in Christ, if you are a male. So how do we enter into this? First of all, we have this expectation that we are looking for a sibling in Christ. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait, Dr. Gifford, where are you from? Okay, you know what I mean, right? We are looking for a candidate for marriage that's in the body of Christ. So that is what I think is an important term to figure out in this. Who are you qualified to date? I am qualified to date someone who is a Christian, who's committed to Christ as Lord, that demonstrates some level of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That is who I'm committed to dating. Those are the only ones that I'm open to dating. And we may need to talk through the beliefs on gifts. We may need to talk through when do you baptize. We may need to talk through different denominational differences. But if you're not a follower of Christ, I see this very clearly that we are not qualified to be together. Okay, so I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to give you principles for understanding those roles. So we'll take a break and be right back. Okay, so now before we jump back into Dr. Gifford's insightful investigation, that's what I'm going to call it, an insightful investigation of Christian dating, uh, let's take just a second to highlight some of the resources that you can find at transform.org. If you haven't been by our website and check those out lately, I implore you to do it. And one of them that stands out to me right now, John Street's Passions of the Heart. Dr. Street talks an awful lot about relationships. One of his quotes in the book that I know is going to resonate with you, he says, 
Godly relationships aren't about our happiness as much as they are about our holiness. When we think about that, especially as it pertains to dating, that shifts our perspective because it should remind us that our dating relationships should be guiding us closer to God, not just satisfying our personal desires. This book is packed with wisdom just like that. I recommend it for anyone who's seeking some guidance in their romantic relationships, but also any relationship in your life. John Street's Passions of the Heart, you can find it right now at transformed.org. Also, while you're exploring transformed.org, would you also consider maybe possibly supporting us? We can't do any of this without your help, not even close. And think about it this way. When you become a gospel partner, you're not just investing in your own personal spiritual growth, though you are doing that, but you're also investing in the growth of countless others who benefit from our resources. So we would be so honored if you would consider joining us in this mission and think about what it might look like for you. You can find out all of the information you'll need about becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner at transformed.org. Speaking of biblical counseling, I kind of alluded to it just a second ago, but we have a range of resources also available at transform.org to help you start the path to becoming a biblical counselor yourself. Our local churches are in desperate need of biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. So if you've ever thought about it, if you feel called into this direction of ministry, let me urge you to make that decision to do so. One of the resources you'll find at transform.org, David Pallison's Seeing with New Eyes. It is incredible if you're looking to serve others through biblical counseling. One of the things that Pallison says in the book, he says, quote, seeing with new eyes is about understanding the heart and all its complexity. It's about unmasking the subtle deceptions of sin and illuminating the liberating truth of God's love. This book, I, I don't want to just say it's a great starting point for someone who is considering becoming a biblical counselor because it is more than that. It is something that if you are in the journey of becoming a biblical counselor, or maybe you're even a biblical counselor right now, David Pallison's Seeing with New Eyes is something you will refer to time and time and time again. And if you don't have it on your bookshelf right now, I urge you to get it by going to transformed.org. Now let's return to Dr. Gifford as he continues his discussion on the theology of dating. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I've been talking about biblical principles that inform dating. So let me give you a paradigm by which to understand roles. Okay, so think about understanding roles for a second. I've mentioned this just in passing in different episodes in the past, but understanding roles is a relational skill that you bring, a relational skill where you are informed by who that person is and how they relate to you. So we understand that in a role, if I don't have role clarity, I can actually make relationships kind of weird. Let me give you an example of this. These are the occasions where we're interacting with a person. They were just being friendly and kind, and we interpret that as they were hitting on us and they must be interested in us in some way. 
there's a miscommunication there. And the question is, who are we to each other? Are we interested in each other or are we not interested in each other? So if I don't understand roles, I can begin to make things pretty weird pretty quickly. One of my favorite things to do to a young couple who says, well, we're not dating, we're just friends. (laughs) My eyes light up. Sometimes this is like the silliness that comes out. So I'll say, well, that's really good to hear. Uh, So can you have other friends like this? And they'll inevitably smile at me and say, well, no, we're exclusive friends. So if you're in an exclusive friendship with a person of the opposite sex, most likely that means you're dating them. And if they would be mad for you to talk to someone else, okay, most likely you're dating them. Well, how do I know? Role clarity, understanding roles. You have to understand roles as you're entering into biblical principles for the dating scene. Let me give you four overarching types of relationships that you and I engage with on a day-to-day basis. Okay, are you ready for these? These are going to come through me to you from one of my elders. His name was Mike Metro. And the first time he preached on this, this was three or four years ago. It was like a light bulb went off in my own mind. He was talking about friendships. There are different levels of friendships, different levels of relationships in general. Let me give you these four levels. The first of all is a total stranger. So you have somebody that's a total stranger. You've never met them before. Hi, how are you? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Okay, that's, that's stranger talk. We've just met you and we're just getting to know you as a stranger. Think of that as the outermost friendship. I don't know you. Uh, no, I would not invite you over to my house. I don't trust you yet. Like We have to get to know each other before a level of trust is going to be developed. Stranger. Number two, an acquaintance. So an acquaintance is someone that you have a regular time together in your schedule. Uh, Think of a coworker. Think of someone that you're on a sports team with. You don't necessarily engineer your time to be together. You just happen to see each other regularly. Many of our colleagues would qualify as this. We know them through work, but we don't necessarily spend a lot of time with them outside of work. Great acquaintance. So first, stranger. Second, acquaintance. Third, friend. Once you've met a person and you generally understand their worldview. You're figuring out if they're committed to Christ. They want to honor him. Uh, They love the word of God. They submit themselves to it. You're like, yeah, this person's cool. I'd, I'd enjoy spending more time with them. So you begin to develop a friendship with them. And moving from an acquaintance to a friend, that's where we start to filter out and say, yeah, you know, this person is a Christian or yeah, this person does have similar interests or yes, they are committed to the word of God. They have a similar worldview as me. The last and the inmost circle is that of a best friend, or if you're from the UK, a bosom buddy. Oof. The first time I had a guy tell me I was basically his bosom buddy, I did not know how to interpret that. I was like, what are you saying right now, man? No. In the States, we typically would say best friend. You're my bestie. Well, in reality, a best friend is someone that shares a common faith with us. They invest back into the relationship. They have similar interests and hobbies. Uh, They share their time with us. They invite us over for a meal. We invite them over for a meal. We go to the beach together. Whatever those common points of interest are, that's the inmost friendship. Uh, When the Lord gives us a best friend, honestly, it is one of the, the sweetest graces that he has because sometimes there are people and I'm like, man, I could be really close to him, but he works down in LA. I never see him. He's got a wacky schedule. We don't live by each other and it just doesn't work. So when the Lord brings a man who can be a best friend into my life, who they have time to hang out, they have kids like I have kids, they have similar interests. It's like, 
or this is a very kind thing for you to do for me to have a male who is a best friend. So think of these different levels, stranger on the further, the outermost rim, moving to acquaintance, moving to a friend, moving to a bestie. So when I understand relationships generally in that context, that begins to help my understanding of dating to begin with. When I'm dating, I'm moving along that continuum of, I have no clue who you are. We just met on Christian Mingle to, okay, we've gone on a couple of dates and you seem to check all of the boxes to, we're becoming friends and we should stay in this area of exclusive friendship for some time to continue to see how each other relates. If you haven't met a person before and you go on a first date with them, typically that's our blind date, then they're a stranger and you're getting to know them. Now think of how silly this would be. You're a total stranger. Um, I'm actually going to tell you, here's my bank statements. Here's the password to my online banking. Uh, I have a safe at home. Here you go. Here's the dial for that. Let's see, what else is super private information? Oh, yes, my social security cards. Here they are. Here's my mother's maiden name. Great. Nice to meet you, by the way. You got all those things? Most of you are like, yo, Dr. Gifford, what's the, what are you getting at? Well, you do recognize if you go on a date with a total stranger that there is a level of communication that you do not go to yet. You're just getting to know each other. There are things that are off limits for us to talk about. There are things that are off limits for us to go do together. There are things that are off limits, like we're not holding hands and being all cuddly on a first date. We've just met each other. And why is that true? Because you're a stranger to me. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know who you are. We've just met. In the dating relationship, if I can begin to understand who you are as a stranger or an acquaintance or a friend and now an exclusive friendship, hopefully moving to best friend, what you'll see is that that informs so many other facets. What should we talk about and when? When is it too soon to start talking about marriage and kids and future careers? What types of things should we be doing together right now? And what types of things should we not be doing together? So you can befriend a person and you can get into this continuum of increasing friendship and yet know that just because I'm guarded on what I'm saying doesn't mean I don't want to continue to trust you more. It just means we have to get to know each other more. So here is, here is the key takeaway from today's episode. Biblical principles that frame dating start with understanding roles. And theologically, to understand roles means that we are in the body of Christ together. And a suitable candidate for dating is not someone who is an unbeliever. And friends, I've seen this many times where a person will say, well, they, they go to church. They're just not going to church right now. Let me help you out. Be very, very careful with that. If they're not actively involved in a local church and they don't actively have their own spiritual life, then be very, very careful of saying, yeah, they're a Christian. We're only going to open ourselves up to those who are brothers or sisters in the body of Christ. And by that, we are understanding roles. So from there, we begin to say, look, we've just met. We're strangers or acquaintances, and we need to get to know each other. Or as you're moving from acquaintance to a closer friendship, you're saying, okay, great. Like, I do want to be in an exclusive one-on-one friendship with you. That's called dating. That's called boyfriend-girlfriend. Let's clarify who we are and let's move forward in this relationship and continue to get to know each other. And if the Lord so allows, then we will move into a close friendship, a best friend status. 
And that's when we start thinking about engagement and potential marriage. But we're not meeting on a blind date and getting married in Vegas. It ain't going to happen because we don't know each other. We don't know who you are. We haven't spent time getting to see how you operate in this world, how you resolve conflict. Who are your friends? What's your family like? So by understanding these roles, what we're going to do is help set our relationships up for success. We're not going too quick, too soon. We're not being guarded too long. We're willing to begin to move toward exclusive relationships and dating with folks in a way that honors the Lord. So next episode, I'm going to pick up on this idea of after your understanding roles, what are the general principles for honoring each other as a brother or sister in Christ in a dating relationship. I will do my best to give you principles, but not rules. What Joshua Harris did in the 90s and early 2000s, I don't want to be guilty of today. So I hope you join us in our next episode. Before we end, though, let me pray for you guys. Lord, I come because I know many people listening to this are in the throes of defining who they're relating to, figuring out, are they moving too fast? Should they pull back a little bit? Is this the right person to be dating? Or there are so many different opinions about dating and dating relationships. And may you allow me to communicate your word and wisdom that is found in your word so that in the end, the relationships that the listeners are in may honor you, bless you, and bless them as well. May they find themselves in deeply satisfying relationships with other believers. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also, prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go serve your king.